This is the Real Digital Transformation podcast series, empowering technology and business professionals to succeed with digital transformation. Now, here's your host, best-selling author Thomas Earl. Hi, this is Thomas Earl, and welcome to another episode of the Real Digital Transformation podcast series. Today, I have with me Art Lichthart from the wide digital organization Art is in charge of digital transformations with Wide Digital. This is part one of a two-part interview with Art. Art, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Very nice to be here. Art, tell us a bit about the field of AI that you focus on within the context of design thinking and the work that you do, please. Yeah, uh, I'd be very happy to share something. Um, well, I'm very, I've been very much working in the field. AI is a very broad field, uh, especially in the domain of the natural language processing. So you can give me documents, texts, uh, content, also structured data, speech, another uh, variety. And we can kind of distill the knowledge out of these uh, language and content and make it into use. So it's within the field of AI, it's especially natural language processing. And we can elaborate a bit more on the techniques, but we're very much into knowledge graphs in combination with machine learning. And I think most people might be familiar with knowledge graphs since Google started using that in around 2013, 2014. Um, and it also kind of means that we're not into black box AI or self-learning learning algorithms, but much more like looking if we can create domain models uh, model them in knowledge graphs and make them into use on different ways uh, with uh, using AI technology. So that is kind of uh, my field. Cool. Yeah. So what you focus on and what you have specialized in is highly relevant in the industry today. It's a central discussion point in digital transformation projects, in digital technology adoption initiatives. Um, many organizations are still trying to grasp the concept of bringing AI into the automation of their business operations, making it an effective part of their digital business solutions in order to keep up with what competitors are doing and with how their markets are evolving. When you work with clients, when they come to you and say, where should we begin? What's the starting point in terms of assessing the utilization of AI in terms of how it should be positioned within our organization and in terms of just adopting this as a core part of our enterprise ecosystem. What, what do you advise them? Well, very often we start with a, a design thinking process. We'll elaborate a bit uh, on that later on. But the ideal start would actually be um, to look for uh, uh, from the company's mission point of view. Um, most co companies find it rather difficult to start and they do start innovation projects, but without a kind of general vision, how that would transform their company. So very often we say, hey, you should start with your why. Remember Simon Sinek, Golden Circle, it starts with why and then the how uh, and the what as well. We even put that in the name of our company, Why Digital, <laughs> so we start with why. And the ideal start would actually be for a company to do this kind of scenario planning, trying to look 10 years ahead, look at your mission, try to grasp the underlying trends um, in society, very broad, uh, and develop scenarios. Obviously, it's very difficult to predict the future. Still, it helps 
it is fun to do because it kind of helps you looking at what are the underlying trends. For example, in 10 years from now, will the, the big tech company still dominate the social platforms or not? In the European Union, where I'm based, there's a huge regulation trend that citizens should kind of own their own data. Privacy is very important. Uh, on the field of AI, there's new regulation coming up, AI uh, Act. Um, and this has a huge impact also on the digital platform. So try to imagine would these big tech companies still um, dominate in 2030 or not? How would law and regulation look like? How would that affect your company? Uh, you might even consider looking geopolitically. Uh, there's a huge trend um, that the European Union is going its own way, a different way than the United States, a completely different way than China as well. This is going to affect maybe your company, your products and services as well. Yeah, and obviously we're talking about digital transformation, so you also have to try to imagine how could digital technology look like 10 years from now. And it's not like looking at the present situation in AI, which already has a, a huge pace, or even blockchain technology is try to imagine 10 years from now, this technology will have changed, will have improved. We're talking about third generation, maybe even fourth mm -hmm. generation. How could that Im um, impact your company? Okay, a bit back. This is a kind of typical thing to do for the top of an organization being facilitated by people who can um, look into the future or at least enable you thinking in that you should try to sharpen it down to four scenarios normally and then you say okay once you have that step back and say okay a bit closer by how could the world look like three to five years from now where do we want to be as a company in three years um how is our vision on that and also what is our strategy to get there and ideally, your AI movement will be part of this strategy. So looking into longer terms, trying to shape your company for the future. That, that would be the kind of ideal situation. Not always done. And it can also be done in parallel to just starting initiatives uh, and innovation projects. This is actually how you should involve the top of your organization. Uh, so should you start there? Maybe not. But hey, on the way there, you should definitely do that because it, it might really need refocusing, re-strategizing. Uh, um, your, the direction of your company. Because when I think of um, some organizations that are still new to this whole new generation of business automation, um, technology and business automation philosophy in terms of becoming more digitalized and everything that comes with it, uh, if we ask them, why, why bring in AI? Why do you want to do this? I... I would assume some don't know why they just know others are doing, but the why is something they need to learn more about in order to understand how this best relates to what they can do and the potential that they may have when they become more digitalized. Based on your experience so far, you've done many digital transformations, public sector, private sector, large corporations, you've done massive projects. What are the most common why answers? What are the most common motivations and reasons that um, companies, organizations right now are bringing AI in as a central part of their enterprise? Um, some very common ones, and I think the most logical ones also to start with is using AI for customer centricity reasons. 
better, uh, deliver better service to your customer, uh, providing possibilities to contact your customer 24 seven, um, using customer data as well to, uh, to deliver advice or services much more on demand, but also uh, on measure bespoke. Um, that, that's one part of it. Uh, and there you typically see the chatbots, the digital assistants, um, and they, they can really improve customer contact. Um, another very important part is um, to assist the employees in the company with the knowledge uh, that can be provided by AI. Decision support. Um, with AI, you can take a next step that is not possible with traditional IT or not even with uh, robotic process automation. Um, it is possible to optimize more of the, the standard manual work uh, so that employees in the companies, they, they, they get time available to do more important work, more important cases, more complex cases. Also with uh, to have time to have personal contact, human contact uh, with customers. Um, at present, what we see most often is the, these two fields are being used uh, for AI. So mm -hmm. customer centricity, better customer service, and also providing more assistance to employees. Also creating more efficient and effective processes at the same time. Yeah. And what you do is not limited to AI. You've also worked with machine learning systems independent from AI. Um, tell us a bit about how companies should assess those options. When is a machine learning system on its own sufficient? When is bringing in AI systems or even a neural network? When, when, when is that step justified? Are there certain common criteria that you've been able to come up with to help organizations make that type of assessment? Yeah, that's a very good question you're asking because in my point of view, AI and also the word algorithm, they, they're hardly useful anymore because they kind of cover such a huge field of functions, components, techniques, um, um, that's why one of the reasons that AI, that, that's not, not such thing as an AI solution. It's always a platform um, using all kinds of different components to, in the end, deliver the functionality. Um, and, and one of my uh, personal aims is also to use architecture in combination with AI. You can actually just make an architecture, very often a solution architecture of your AI platform or of an AI solution, which means you're opening it up you're focusing on the different components inside. You can also explain uh, to customers, not, e not even people who, are, or people who are not even technical. You can explain the function of each of the components in your solution. You can discuss the various options of it. Uh, you can even discuss what kind of techniques you want to try out to see which one delivers the best results in there. Um, and actually, that's what we always do uh, once going to a customer, uh, looking at the challenge being made, see how the business process is going, see what knowledge is used by either customers or employees, designing a first draft of a possible solution, and then just, um, you could also say in co-creation, that's more during the design process, but also make choices in what we can deliver and what we can't deliver yet, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Not everything is possible. And, and sometimes we deliver, for example, uh, solutions that give multiple options that use different machine learning techniques and present the results also um, to the, for example, the employee. It's not that, that there's one machine giving one answer. No, 
This is one model. It is, for example, trained on theoretical knowledge, uh, working procedures, instructions. It could even be law and regulation. So the model trained on that, it gives a specific advice. Another model is, for example, trained on um, uh, the data set in their existing systems. You could say the knowledge that has been applied in the past and that has been distilled out in the data set. Mm. The two, the two don't necessarily have to come up with uh, the same conclusion. In fact, it might be even be very interesting to show, hey, this is the, the advice based on theoretical knowledge. This is the advice based on the past. Might not be the same. End user, please uh, feel free to, to draw your own conclusion with it. Uh, so, so the point being is that you can architect, architect um, AI, and that very much helps also to take steps into explainability, into uh, also the, the the search for what functionality is needed for what kind of challenge in your business. Uh, and and obviously, there are AI forms of AI, uh, for example, the self-learning algorithms that are in a way not explainable. Yes, we can explain how the algorithm has been made, but afterwards it starts training itself and comes up with conclusions in a way that is uh, is not explainable anymore. But in your architecture, you can draw this as a function or a component, explain what it does, which data it used, and uh, how the results have to be interpreted. Uh, mm. So it's kind of opening up the black box of AI, and that uh, that makes it possible to have a good, uh, a very good conversation on that with uh, with customers. Yeah. Hey, everybody is interested in AI. Everybody's curious about it. Um, have you come across a project where there was a desire to bring in AI, but it wasn't warranted? It would have been overkill for what the customer actually needs and perhaps introduce unnecessary complexity. Ha have you seen that? Or are we at a point now where even a simple AI in most cases is better than no AI so that what you put in place can evolve with how your business may need to change and grow over time. Uh, I've seen examples, but what I've seen more often is the combination of traditional uh, solutions um, and newer technology. It's not like AI is introduced and will replace all the existing systems and, uh, and technology at the same time. It's more like, okay, what is needed in this situation? Can we make reuse of existing, um, for example, decision trees that function very well? Uh, can we give a kind of add-on functionality using AI? I see that much more often. Um, and, and what you asked about, are there sometimes uh, questions or challenges of uh, within a company that can be um, solved by traditional IT as well. Yeah, we see that very often, but by using design thinking, these are always filtered out, these kind of, uh, these kind of circumstances. Uh, um, and yeah, well, it, it's also, it, it might also be my point of view that, um, that you have to make it as explainable as possible, which means a proper discussion with customers like, on exactly this subject, what can we do in a traditional way? What should be left in a traditional way? Can we augment something or add extra value? How can we make reuse of already existing mm -hmm. knowledge? Right. Yeah. Okay. No, in, really interesting. I mean, all these considerations that factor into this, because once you go down that road, once you put it in place and it becomes um, 
something your operations depend upon, your decision-making depends upon, you, you're going down that road. It's hard to turn back once, once you um, form those dependencies. Um, you've mentioned design thinking a few times. Let's, let's talk about that. That is, uh, design thinking is something that has also been very, very, um, become very important to how we approach the, um, the modeling of what we want to build to make sure that what we build uh, is as effective as, as possible. Tell us about design thinking now. It, what is the contemporary design thinking process? What are its advantages and benefits? And specifically, how have you been incorporating that as part of your digital transformation projects? Um, I'm very fond of the whole fundamentals behind design thinking. Uh, for, for me, we have made, well, really steps forwards the last 10 years, also adopting agile methodologies, smaller teams, multidisciplinary, putting business people and IT people together, continuously working and improving on uh, what they're working on uh, on IT. And I think that's exactly what you're doing in in design thinking as well. The world is complex, organizations are complex. It's not like an organization can come to you with a consultancy question, this is my problem, can you give me a solution? Yeah, we could, but we can never be sure if it would fit and what the consequences would be. So the, the essence of design thinking is pull all relevant people in a room, start to think about the challenges, uh, be inspired by the possibilities, do your brainstorm in the ideation uh, phase, uh, maybe have a second look if some um, ideas are feasible or not, um, have a proper look how all aspects could be transformed. It might be your products and services, it might be that you're going to aim for different customers, it might be your place in the ecosystem, um, Obviously, look at your business processes. It might even change the, the types of employees that you need. Law and regulation, never forget that, especially here in Europe. This is uh, our solutions are dominated more and more by the AI Act, the privacy regulation. You could even say the kind of fundamentals of our state of law uh, here. Your processes are affected. Um, can be affected. Um, so there's all these aspects that are part of your digital transformation that, that you should look at. Um, I really like design thinking, especially in this aspect, just put the relevant people in the room, facilitate the process of being inspired, look at possibilities, try some out. If you do a whole week, like the, the Google uh, way of design, uh, design thinking, uh, you can even prototype tests and, uh, and come to conclusions. We don't do that very often, more that we do shorter shorter sessions, mm -hmm. uh, have a proper look at, uh, at the outcomes and uh, take it up in the next session, elaborate on that, and in the end, um, doing the kind of same results. So it's not, not a whole week, like as some companies do in uh, design thinking, but it's in shorter periods. What What is yeah. the difference between what I'll refer to as traditional business process modeling? You have business analysts, they, they interview clients, they collect information about how a, a given task can be automated. They put together a workflow, they, they figure out the most efficient way to implement it with the technology they have. They present that to IT. Um, how is 
the process of design thinking different from that? Well, you do it in shorter iterations. You have the, the people that um, have really knowledge of each aspect uh, can be, be, be made present as well. So it's not the business analyst walking around in uh, bilateral conversations, interviewing everybody. It's all people in the room. Hey, it is sometimes quite difficult to facilitate that. So that's some other challenges uh, in there. You do shorter iterations. Um, I, th I think the demands on business analysts, but also on us as, as architects have become so high because there are so many aspects that you have to take in consideration if you want to design a solution for a specific problem. And it's not only the solution, you need to transform very often at the same time, the company. So mm -hmm. I think that the biggest difference is you do it in shorter iterations and most of the relevant uh, people, the stakeholders, as you could, uh, could call them, they are present. Um, and it can also in involve even customers or, or partners uh, in the ecosystem. Uh, you have to choose the people that you really need to be present of, uh, of, the, the, of the session. Some others can be involved afterwards as well. Uh, <laughs> What's the output of a design thinking process? Um, do you end up having mapped out a customer journey, the user interfaces? Um, do you produce customer experience scenarios that can then be, be tested out? I, well, it, you, you collect the information as you just described in shorter iterations collaboratively with those most relevant to, to, um, to the project. And then you produce um, what do you produce that is then carried forward? That, that depends a bit. Um, there's some customers who do this design thinking process in order to generate ideas for their innovation labs. So the end result should be, you could say initiatives, um, sharp enough to start really realizing the prototype after the session. So they're not made during the sessions, they're made after the sessions, involving mm -hmm. other people and uh, some more specialists as well. Um, other companies do it uh, in order to generate uh, initiatives that are really going to be put in their portfolio process afterwards. So it's kind of being put in the agile process uh, and being prioritized and, uh, and being uh, carried out afterwards. Uh, but all the time, the requirement should be, it should be sharp and focused enough so that everybody understands this is the initiative uh, or this is, for example, the epic. Um, this is the idea. This is the value. This is the user group. This is kind of the functionality. This is kind of how the, the user inter interface could look like. Um, I, I remember when we, uh, and you as well, Thomas, we were still very much involved in the field of architecture. Uh, um, the standard definition of architecture has the fundamental organization of a system embodied in its components. When I always liked this word, this word fundamental. It's like the most important, the most essential mm -hmm. uh, requirements have to be made clear and must have been designed because that really helps to get a good, uh, a good overview to everybody. And then the, it can be bringing into an initiative for either their innovation lab or already uh, being, uh, well, uh, put in the channel of their agile process. Uh, yeah. Okay. With design thinking, um, you produce exactly what you just described in a specification or in some form of formal documentation. You build a prototype based on that. Everything looks good. You put it into production. Now, over time, you collect feedback. 
you assess failure conditions, you see what worked and what didn't work. Um, how often do you go through that cycle? When do you revisit what you've built? Do you revisit it by carrying out a design thinking iteration again to reassess, to improve? Uh, and with the digital transformation initiatives in particular, does that life cycle ever end? Or are, are organizations constantly reassessing, improving, um, reiterating design thinking steps to, to do so? Yeah, I think the, the, the last uh, that you're saying is definitely true. Uh, it's also the core of Agile, the Agile way of working. Uh, keep on iterating. Um, we, we do design thinking on different levels. We do, uh, when we start at a company that is kind of uh, new to this process and new to AI, uh, we involve normally people from innovation departments, the most inno innovative people from the business departments that are, uh, are most keen on trying out AI. Um, that delivers the first ideas in production, continuously refinement and also uh, evaluation. Very often we go on with the same process, but then with other people. For example, their senior users from the departments that uh, really want to make extra steps. Um, mm. This, this, hey, we're talking about transformation. This really helps to get commitment to, if necessary, help uh, people transforming their processes or even products uh, in there. So yeah, the the whole way of design thinking can be, I think, be, can be integrated very good with the agile way of working and keep on producing, keep on adapting, keep on changing. There's one thing that we always um, focus on quite early as well, like is the organization, does it have the, the people uh, with uh, knowledge and experience in order to help design and build and configure the AI part of the solution? Because in Agile, everything depends on the, the, the teams, the Agile teams that do production and keep on uh, iterating. Quite often they ask us to start a new team in the beginning, but then the focus afterwards should be like learning and training this company to get the proper people in these teams in the same place so that the teams become part of the, well, the agile organization as well. Hmm. Um, so are, yeah. if I can, that's really interesting what you just touched upon. Um, when, when carrying out a design thinking process in support of your new digital business automation solution, tell us specifically, how AI factors into that process. Do you have an understanding of how AI may need to be positioned, how it'll be utilized in advance of carrying out design thinking so that when everybody works collaboratively on figuring out the best possible solution, you already know, well, A the AI is going to do this, it's not going to do that. Or does the process of design thinking reveal that to you? As a, as a result of carrying it out, you discover, well, actually, instead of a human doing this, the AI should do this and the human should do that. Um, how, does, how does that typically turn out? My, my preference, personal preference, is to do this kind of sessions in the company and in the business domain that I'm very much familiar with. Uh, focusing on longer term relations, because the better you know this company, the easier it is to do inspiration sessions, to see the points within the companies that might be improved by AI, uh, to get the stakeholders already in place before you even start the design thinking session. 
I think this this kind of organization knowledge and business domain knowledge is very important for consultants that are helping these design thinking processes. Um, mm-hmm. We we also do it sometimes at companies that we don't even know that ask us to do it. But still then, we prefer to do some kind of preparation, do a couple of interviews before, uh, do a bit of research in their business domain as well. Um, and we can still do this first phase of design thinking, like inspiration sessions, explain a bit what AI can do, show examples, do a common brainstorm of possibilities for their own company. It's a, it's a kind of first draft of a proper design uh, mm-hmm. thinking process, you might say. But, but I think you can deliver most value if you're very familiar with the company and their business domain and their challenges, actually. Yeah. So um, it is not as common for you to discover opportunities to use AI when carrying out design thinking. You usually have a good understanding ahead of time of how it should be positioned. And typically, that isn't really that, that doesn't change as a result of the design thinking steps. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit both. Yeah, yeah. It, it sometimes does. Um, actually, I like it very much when you kind of trigger people showing opportunities, showing possibilities, especially showing other implementations and people coming up with, hey, if that worked there, we could kind of implement it here slightly different. But would that work? Could, could we create something like that? Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Th- that, that is great. Yeah. No, yeah, because I'm curious about um, what we discussed before, the why. If, if an organization comes to you, if you ask the organization, why do you want to adopt AI? And they say, we don't know, please tell us. And if, if design thinking doesn't, if, if the purpose of design thinking is not to reveal that, the upfront research reveals that, is there a process for the upfront research in order to figure that out if you as 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 the as a consulting organization that provides that expertise um when they say how and where is ai most relevant to what we do um is there a particular process you follow to figure that out for them um not really a particular process um I kind of, when you were asking this question, I was kind of thinking about uh, the lectures I give, the masterclasses. Um, I also do that uh, at Nairo, the business university, and these are all people in an MBA program. So they have five, six, seven years of experience. They want to make next steps uh, also into boardroom level. Um, I lecture on architecture, but I always show the potential of new technologies linked to digital transformation. Okay, point one, you have to know enough about these new technologies, how they work, what they can do, what they are being used for now, where the, where the trends are heading. You have to know enough in order to look at your own company, your own situation, and to say, hey, how, how could this affect me? So in, the, in these masterclasses, I try to tend to trigger these people. And then we also have a, a common brainstorms and we're, we're doing the same for somebody else's company. Um, giving some examples. Uh, one I always use, like uh, it's one of my preferences, hey, we can use AI as well to train uh, on juridical knowledge, law and regulation, case law, uh, all kind of formal procedures and regulations. Uh, 
Just look at the present economy. How many people are kind of uh, working in a job that provides juridical advice? Plenty. I'm very, very sure that in 10 years from now, AI will have, have it is already quite good actually, but will be so powerful well, that all this juridical knowledge will be inside and will be being used also by non-juridical people, normal civilians, normal companies. Okay, if that would be a trend, what would happen to your company? Um, and so I kind of trigger them in, uh, you could say, in kind of masterclass format, uh, also on bar boardroom level to start thinking about what is happening actually now. Mm -hmm. You can also focus that on one company and do some homework before uh, to, to trigger the, the conversation even more. Um, but but that, that is one way of doing it. It, it is kind of evangelist way, like, hey, I find you should know more about AI and then you have to do your own thinking to see what it, how it could impact your company. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's one thing that organizations need to do, which is improve their own internal understanding and knowledge of this, not only rely on outside guidance, because as you said, um, the business communities worldwide are moving more and more toward this as a core part, something they will depend on. So it'll become more and more common knowledge and you don't want to be left behind uh, in that regard as, as much as you know the advent of other uh, milestones in the past uh, be are common now, this will become you know, just as common. So that was part one of our two-part interview with Art. Please join me for part two, in which we will discuss AI in relation to customer centricity, what to do when your AI creates flawed data intelligence, and Art's top design thinking pitfalls. Thank you for listening. Follow Thomas on LinkedIn. 